Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Thank you so much. It is so good to uh, be with you uh, this morning, and thank you again to uh, to Rob and, and to Micah for asking me to, to come out and share with you uh, just what God's been putting in my heart. I've been praying for you as a church. Um, I, I know you very well. I'm, I'm getting married in six weeks to, to Stephanie, and she was your worship pastor for a, a, a while. Um, and, uh, and I know what you're thinking. How did you land Stephanie? <laughs> the accent. That's what it was. It was the accent. She did say to her parents when she was young, I want to marry a man with an accent. Um, and so I could provide that. Uh, and so it's so good to be with you uh, this morning. And, and I'm coming with just a simple, simple message. Uh, and it's the message of uh, my beloved. Uh, I've been praying for you. And this is a new season for you as a church as you, uh, you have this building now and as ministry is growing. And as uh, you're seeing amazing things happen, like Kids Capers this summer looks amazing. Three weeks. Three weeks, am I right? Is that three weeks of Kids Capers? Like, that's Awesome. And you're seeing change in your community, and you're seeing change, uh, and people are coming towards Jesus. And I, and I felt God put on my heart as I was praying for you, just remind Crosspoint they are my beloved. Remind Crosspoint that I love them so much. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to jump into that. Um, so that is my, my whole purpose of this talk, is to remind you as a person, but as a church, that you are loved very dearly by God. Um, as I've been... Uh, reading and as I've been um, researching, as I've been prepping for this talk, uh, I, I came across a theologian who uh, I read actually quite commonly. Um, he's called Henry Nguyen. He's a, he's a Dutch Catholic um, uh, priest. I don't know if you've ever heard of Henry Nguyen, but he was a man who's very uh, educated, very clever, very skilled, and he took his, um, his authority, his position, and he moved into uh, uh, um, an, an asylum with people with different mental illnesses and disorders. And he lived with them for a number of years. And in that place, he discovered a refreshing um, picture of what it looked like for God to love him and to love others. And, and he writes this. He says this. The core of our faith is the conviction that you and I and we are the beloved daughters and sons of God. One of the enormous spiritual tasks we have to live is a life based on that knowledge. Um, last month, I had the privilege to go to uh, London, UK. Uh, I'm from Scotland. That's where my accent comes from. I've lived in England too, and now I live in Canada, so I have a weird voice, but it's my voice. So that's cool. No one else in this room has this voice. Um, and so I had the privilege to go to London, UK, uh, to, to, a, to a conference, for a leadership conference. And, and while I was there, I got to hear from a, a number of amazing um, preachers and speakers and leaders of the church across, across the world. And uh, There was a common theme that kept coming up and again and again and again. And it was this theme of, of what I see happen in youth culture, what I see happen with the kids that I get to work with, is this complete lack of identity. This complete lack of identity and understanding of who I am. And, and part of that is this rise of uh, individualism, this individualistic culture. We see people going, oh, it's all about me. You do you. Have you ever heard that phrase before? You do you. It's all about what you want and what you want to get out of life. And while I was there, I heard a guy called Mark Sayers. He's, uh, he's an Australian, and he's from uh, Melbourne, and he's a pastor there. 
And he's a wonderful prophetic thinker uh, of cultural movements. And he said this, he said, freedom has become so oppressive because you don't know how to live. He said, oppressed by endless possibilities, exhausted with not knowing who you are. Let me say that again. Freedom has become so oppressive because you don't know how to live. Oppressed by endless possibilities, exhausted with not knowing who you are. So the question I ask you this morning to ask yourself, who am I? Who am I? And as we uh, get into our scripture this morning, I want to just tell you straight away something really important. It's going to come up on the screen here. That you are crazily loved by God. And this morning, I hope that in what I say and, and what the Spirit is doing, that you are aware of that and you know that you are crazily loved by God. Do you know that this is a Pentecost Sunday? In, in, in the church calendar, this is the day that's mapped out to celebrate Pentecost. That the Holy Spirit came to the church and filled the church. The church was birthed. This is that day. And, and I pray this morning the Spirit will be filling you and filling you afresh as we open God's Word. So if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me um, to Matthew chapter 3? Um, it's not going to come up. It's just the verses on the screen. I'm going to read it out to you in my accent. I can try Canadian, but I sound Texan, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happens with that. Um, this is a beautiful moment in Matthew when, when Jesus just uh, just been baptized. just been baptized by John, and he as he comes out of the water, just at the end of chapter 3, says this. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, and he brings me great joy. Jesus is then taken out into, uh, into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. And I want to read this out to you. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him by the, uh, to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone but Jesus responded the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory I'll give it all to you if you just kneel down and worship me and Jesus responds get out of here Satan for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of him. Can we just pray for this moment? Uh, Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can read it and, and have life. I thank you that your word is a, is a book that breathes. That breathes life into us. And God, would we um, wrestle with your word this morning? Hear from your spirit. Would you give us hearts and ears open to what you want to say to us? Would you bypass me if what I'm saying is not relevant? Would you speak clearly in your name? Amen. 
I love this passage. I love this passage of Scripture because um, what's really important is with Jesus is that he, before anything, before anything, you know he starts his ministry after this point? Before anything, he gets baptized and God says, this is my beloved. At this point, Jesus hasn't started his ministry. At this point, no one really knows who Jesus is. His, his family do, his, his friends do. He, he did do some cool stuff in a temple when he was a kid. But he hasn't started his ministry yet. And at this point, God says, this is my beloved. Beloved in the Greek, if you like your Greek words, is agapetos. Can you say it with me? Agapetos. A little bit better. I work with youth, so I'll do this a few times until you're, you're good to go. Agapetos. One more time. Agapetos. There we go. Some of you are still like, agapetos. It's fine. I work with youth. They do the same thing. Um, Agapetos means dearly loved. It means favorite. And, <laughs> and there's this amazing moment where, where basically Jesus comes out the water and God goes, that's my favorite. I love him so much. Before he even starts his ministry, before he even starts anything, I love him. And at this point, he's then led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. And the devil starts to tempt him. And tempts him with things and lies that I think we experience so often. Lies that, that come against us and things that we start to build our own identity on. First lie is, I am what I do. He gets led out into the, the wilderness and, and the devil says, take this rock and make it bread. Take this rock and make it bread. I am what I can do. And Jesus, having come from a place of being called the beloved, the favorite, firm in his identity with God, he's like, no chance. I'm not doing that. I don't need to prove to you who I am. See, I think some of us, we, we wrap our identity up in that I am what I do. I'm a youth pastor, and, and often when I, when I meet people, I say, hey, what's your name? It's the first thing you usually ask, right? What's your name? And then we say, what do you do? Is that not an often question you ask to somebody? What do you do? What's your, what's your job? Do you, what's your purpose? What, what do you do? And, and often for me, I wrap that up in being a youth pastor, which is a real job, by the way. Colin. We're allowed to wear skinny jeans. It's good. I had an awkward moment this morning where I thought, are my jeans too skinny? And then Colin came in. So <laughs> it, was, it was fine. So <laughs> that's good. I'm good friends with Colin. I love him very much. Um, and so we wrap our identity up in that I am what I do. If, if, you, if you get asked by somebody, um, who are you? You will say your name. And then you often say, and I am a fill in the blank. I am a, I'm a plumber, I am a carpenter, I am a banker, I am a mom, I'm a dad. We wrap our identity often in, in what we do. And Jesus did not need to do this because he was already firm in being the beloved of Christ. Second lie, I am what people say about me. This is the one that really hurts, right? <laughs> this is the one that, that gets you oh, right in the soul. I am what people say about me. The devil takes Jesus and says, throw yourself off and the angels will catch you because if you surely are the son of God, then you'll be fine. If you, if you surely are God's son, you'll be okay. People say you're God's son. You should be fine. And what's his response? No chance. 
No chance. I am not what people say about me. That is not where my identity is rooted. Did you not know I was baptized and called the beloved? Did you not know that I am God's favorite? This is a, this is a tough one. Um, I remember the first time I preached in a church service. Now, I've done a lot of speaking with youth. And about five years ago, I got the first opportunity to speak in front of older people. You can categorize yourself in whatever way you want uh, in front of older people. And, uh, and, and as I did, uh, it was in England. It was in the north of England called Sheffield. I worked there as a youth pastor for three years. And I stood up in front of this church. It was a very, very posh church. So they, they sound like the queen. So they're like, oh, hello there. <laughs> Welcome to church. That's how they speak. Like Nicky Gumbel on the Alpha Course. Have you ever watched the Alpha Course? It's like Nicky Gumbel on the Alpha Course. And so... That's what and so I got up and, and, and I preached and I preached my heart out and, and God had given me this message and I was so excited and then I finished and, and honestly, if, if, for, for just a side note, um, your pastors, when they get up and preach and teach, give them all the respect and give them, give them praise and give them encouragement because you put yourself on the line when you stand up and speak to people. And so um, when I stood up and I, and I spoke and I got down and, you know, you, uh, we, we do this thing where you have to stand at the door and you always shake everyone's hand as they go out. Really weird. It's like a receiving line at a wedding. It's just, it's just really awkward. You're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Nice message today, Pastor. Thank you. I was speaking about you're a sinner. Oh, but that was a nice message today, Pastor. Um, and so I, 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 was, I was standing at the door and, and as people were going out, they're thank you, thank you. And I got to one, uh, one man and he, and he sat on our elders board bit awkward. Um, and, he, and he just said, I really liked what you said today, young man, but I don't understand your accent. So can you please change it for the next time you preach? You laugh, but he was serious. <laughs> he, he, he asked me to change myself so he could hear. The ironic thing was he lived in Scotland for 17 years. Probably a posh part. I don't know. And, uh, and so he told me, could you please change your accent for the next time? And I remember this one moment. I, I froze because I was like, I've, it was like a, a knife stabbed into me. It was like, you're just not good enough yet. Can you just be a little bit more like what we are? And at this moment, and I will never forget this, my, my, my pastor at the time called Gary, um, he, he's a very flamboyant guy, and he's, a, he's very... Hello, I'm Gary. I'm the vicar here at this church. He's very, very posh. Um, and he walked straight up to this man and just went, you will never speak to my youth pastor like that again. If you do, you can leave this church. So watch what you say around Colin when Rob's around. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and do you know what? I felt so backed. He was like, you cannot say who you think he should be. This is Chris. This is who he is. What you say does not matter. And I think we often wrap ourselves up in this lie. I am what people say about me. You're probably thinking right now some of the things that have been said over you. Growing up, uh, my brother was the one that everyone thought would be the pastor. He was the caring. He was the nice one. I was okay. <laughs> but he was, the, he was the one that, like, if there was a fly hurt with its wing, he'd be like, I will save the fly. I was like, <laughs> and they were always like, Andrew will be the pastor. Andrew will be the pa Chris will never, no, he won't be a pastor. And I actually remember when I, when I became a pastor, I actually held this lie for a number of years. I held this lie that I should not be a pastor because it had been spoken over me. Not meanly, not, not in a bad way, 
But it's just been spoken. People, this is, what you, this is what you should be. And I wonder this morning, do you hold that lie? I am what people say about me. Number three, I am what I have. I am what I have. See, Jesus is then taken to this high point, and the, and the devil says, I want you to, to see everything, all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all of that if you just bow down and worship me. Jesus, firm in his identity, is the beloved of God, the favorite. No chance. Get out of here, Satan, he says. I don't need that. My identity is firm in God. I am what I have. Uh, I grew up playing uh, football. You call it soccer. The right term is football. I say words that are different sometimes, but I'm from the country where the language came from. So I'm right. <laughs> and, and sometimes I've just, ad- I've just adapted. I say soccer now all the time. It feels still, still gets me a little bit. But anyway, I grew up playing soccer, and, um, and, and I, I loved the sport. I, I loved it so much. I, I started playing when I was three and, and played for you know, my school team, and then I played for um, my regional team, and then I played uh, in, in big competitions. And I remember when I got to 14 years old, uh, we had this big game. It was a big game in the cup. And some scouts came to watch the game. And they were watching the game. They were from some of the biggest teams in Scotland. And I was playing, and, and we won 14-1. <laughs> yeah, we did. We won 14-1. And I, I played center midfield, and I, and I got seven assists in the game. Be- partly because our striker is just really fast. And so I would just kick it to him, and he would just run and score. It made me look really good, but he was awesome. And we won 14-1. And I remember the scouts coming up and going, uh, we want that one, that one, and that one. And it was me. And we're like, we, we, we want these three guys to come and trial for us. And at that point, I thought, I've made it. I'm going to be a professional soccer player. I'm going to be loaded with money. It's going to be amazing. Quite shortly after that, I developed a, a knee issue called osteocellaris. It's when you have like a, a lump under your knee with like fluid and your bones and muscle grow at the wrong time. And I was kind of out of soccer for about a year. And then I got back in and then I tore my hamstring straight away. <sighs> yeah. If you've ever tore your hamstring, it's like bacon. It goes, that's, that's what happens there. Some of you are like, oh, gross. But that's what happens. And I tore my hamstring. And really, I didn't play soccer for about two years. Probably in the most pivotal moment if I was ever to make it as a player. And when I came back, I just wasn't as good as, as what I was. And the scouts had already taken other people, and all their people were put into academies. And, and that was that. And I'd built this identity growing up that I have the ability to play soccer, and that's what I'm going to do. And it got taken away from me, and I felt like I had nothing. I am what I have. Maybe for you, it's, uh, it, it's, it's your possessions. It's, it's the stuff you own. It's the car you drive. It's the, the house you live in. It's the... It's the um, relationships maybe you have. It's the, it's the money in the bank. It's the, the lack of money in the bank. You built yourself around the identity of I have what I have. But, but Jesus very, very clearly says that does not matter to me because I am the beloved of Christ, of God. He's Christ. I'm the beloved of God. I do not need to build my identity around what I have. While I, was in, uh, while I was in London, and there was an amazing speaker there, a guy called John Tyson. Quote's going to come up on the screen now. Um, 
And John Tyson is a pastor out of uh, New York City. He's Australian as well. Something about Australian guys. They're like, I don't know, they're just killing it in ministry in the world right now. Um, and he, uh, he lives in New York City. He's been there for 20 years, pastor of Church of the City in New York. Um, somebody who's very um, acute to spiritual awakening um, and cultural movements. And he writes this, and, and he said this while we were there. He says, we live from blessing, not for blessing. We live from blessing, not for blessing. See, I think so often, and I know I do it myself, I, I, I work to please God. I do things to please, so that he will bless me. I'm like, God, I'm doing everything for you. Please, please just bless me. And the reality is, He's already said, Chris, you're my beloved. Regardless, you don't need to work for it. I love you. I already, through my son, saved you. I've already paid the price. You could never pay yourself, so why are you working for it? And I've already paid for that. Now live from blessing. Don't live for blessing. And I think actually when we shift our mindset, when we shift our mindset to live from blessing, not for blessing, it actually changes the way we live. It, it actually changes the way we live. See, what we do is we often do things to try and get appreciation from people, and we go, oh, God, are we pleased with this? I gave 11% of my tithe this year. <laughs> Seriously, though. God says give 10. I gave 11. Blessed. No, and... And we do these things that we try to receive blessing, but God says, I've already blessed you. Now go be a blessing. I've already blessed you. Now go be a blessing. We live from blessing, not for blessing. You are the beloved of God. Before anything you do. It is not in what you do, it is not in what people say about you. It is not in what you have. Your identity is firm in the beloved of God. The favorite. Sometimes we don't like that word. Sometimes we don't like the word favorite. This is the translation of the Greek is favorite. God says, you are my favorite. I died for you so that you could have life that is blessed that does not mean you're going to be filthy rich. That does not mean you're going to have the best family. That does not mean you're going to have the best job. But did Jesus care? <laughs> he did not need that. He stood firm. I am the beloved of God, and so are you. In this new season for you as a church, this thing's really exciting. It's really exciting. Um, who, can I just ask, who's been here since the beginning? Like, where's our OGs? Yeah. Like, we've got a few. Who's been here for, like, at least three or four years? Who was here when you did not have this building? And some of you have just arrived in this new season of life where there's this lovely building, and you've got this beautiful stage, and, and it's like, this is so cool. But for those of you who were there right at the start... I'm going, what, what, is, what, what is the church going to be like? I hate packing everything up and moving it every weekend. Trailer park church. <laughs> I 
And I think I, God gave me this very clearly to say to you that, that Crosspoint, you were God's beloved before you had this place. You were God's beloved even before your first meeting as a church. And I think some of you have to hear that afresh, that you are God's beloved before anything that happens. We live from blessing, not for blessing. And a, a question I want to ask you, and this is what's going to hurt. That's okay. It's going to come up on the screen. Which lie have you owned? Which lie do you still own? That's the first question. Which lie have you owned? I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what people say about me. Which one have you owned? Which one have you claimed to be your own? Words matter. They really do. If you constantly tell yourself, I'm not good enough, do you know what you're going to feel? I'm not good enough. <laughs> if you constantly say to yourself, God doesn't love me, God doesn't care for me, do you know you're going to start to believe? God does not love you, God does not care. But you have to remind yourself again and again. I was here yesterday for, uh, for Drayton and Elisa's wedding. It was a beautiful day and, and it was, it, it was, I, I was really hoping I was going to have a nice arbor behind me as I preached this morning, but... Apparently, the team brought it down. So I got some boxes and some lights. Um, it was a really pretty arbor, by the way. Um, if you're at the wedding yesterday, you'd have, you'd have, uh, you'd have at the ceremony, you would have noticed um, some of the words that are said and some of the things that are said. And, and Dre and Elisa stood here, and they made promises to each other. And they made promises before God. And they said, regardless of whatever happens, whatever you Feel like whatever I feel like, I promise to love you. I promise to love you. Drayton said, I promise that you will kill the spiders because <laughs> he hates the spiders. But they made these promises. And we can do that as human beings. I'm, I'm going to make those promises with Steph in six weeks. I'll make those promises. But the thing is, God made that promise with us before we made the promise to him. Christ died while we were still sinners. While we were still far from God, Christ died so that we could have relationship with God. He stood up and he made that promise and he said, I promise to love you. You are my beloved. Now it's your decision. But I ain't going to change. And maybe this morning you need to hear that afresh. Something so simple that God loves you so much. But sometimes we own some lies that we have to rip off. Sometimes, maybe this morning, you may have to just say, Jesus, please take that away from me. Please take that lie that I have owned for, and it could be years. I owned that lie of not being a pastor for almost 20 years. That, that was not going to be my thing. And so maybe you have to drop some of those lies that have been spoken over you and just say, no. I am the beloved of God. That is where my identity is firm. That's who I am. It does not matter what people say about me. It does not matter what I do. It does not matter what I have. I am the beloved of God. And because of that place, we then live from blessing, not for blessing. Amen? Secondly, being the beloved, how are you going to bless others? This is a church that I see so clearly is blessing the community around. You love your neighborhood. You love people well. Even like as I got up on the stage, it was like, whoa, yeah, go on. We don't know who you are, we, but we're going to clap. Woo! 
I could have been really like, I could have come up and said heretical things. But you were clapping me before I got here. You were just like, we love you. Let's go. How are you going to bless others? See, the Israelites were blessed to be a blessing for the nations. And they dropped the ball so many times that God was like, here's the second part of the plan. The church. How are you going to be the blessing for those that are around you? How are you going to bless those who cannot bless you back? There's a bunch of new babies in this church, which is amazing. Fast way for your church to grow. Just keep having babies. Um, but a baby can't give anything back to you. You just care for it. You love it. Can't give everything back. Bring that attitude into your city, into the neighborhoods around here. How do you be a blessing to those who maybe can't even give anything back? I see this as a church that does bless, but we bless from being blessed by God, not to be blessed by God. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. I'm going to invite the worship band back up. Um, and we're just going to close, just close with this. Um, while, I was, uh, while I was in London, I, I spoke about uh, Mark Sayers, who, who said about um, that quote about freedom. That freedom can be so oppressive because we actually don't know which way to look, and we, and we build our identity on, on so many things we have no identity. Um, he, he said, here's a, a, a word for the, the church that he thinks could be a countercultural word. See, we're, we often talk about that in church, let's be countercultural. I remember when I grew up, that meant just don't swear and don't have sex. That's literally what it was like. Just be a nice person and don't do some naughty things. And then I was like, my friends aren't Christians and they do the same things. Like, how am I different to them? <laughs> and he said, be a countercultural presence. If this society, the culture that we live in, has got so much freedom that people actually have no identity, if people have nowhere to look and anxiety is increasing and fear is increasing, he's like, for the church to be countercultural, the church must be a non-anxious presence in society. Let me say that again. The church must be a non-anxious presence in society. Everywhere we look, there's fear. Everywhere we look, there's, I don't know what's going on. Everywhere we look, we, we have no idea. What's, what's around the bend? What's happening next? The government, who knows what's happening there? We have no idea what's going on. But the church is to be a non-anxious presence in in society. In Crosspoint, I charge that to you. Be a non-anxious presence in the north of Edmonton. Be a place where people come in and they go, oh, I can breathe. Oh, they like me. Oh, I feel at peace. I wonder if we live that way. We live from blessing, not for blessing, in a non-anxious way, how that will change your neighborhood. How that will change those around you. How that will change you as a person. And you'll draw more people to Jesus. I want to finish with this scripture. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the beloved. And it says, and that is what we are. He like has to say it again. Because I think we have to hear it a few times. What great love that the Father's lavished on us that we may be called the beloved because that is what we are. Would you pray with me? And would you stand as we pray? Jesus, I thank you for uh, your spirit which on this day on Pentecost 
2,000 years ago came and filled a room of people who were, were pretty anxious and pretty fearful. And you brought boldness and power and peace and you birthed the church. And God, I pray that over Crosspoint today. Would your spirit fill this place afresh? Would you fill the lives of those that are here? God, for those who have, who have gripped a lie and have held it for so long, I am what I do. God, would you break that in Jesus' name? I am what people say about me. God, would you break that in Jesus' name? I am what I have. God, would you break that in Jesus' name? And God, would this be a place of peace? Would this be a church that knows we know who we are. We are the beloved of God. No matter what comes our way, no matter what happens, no matter what happens in our culture, no matter what happens with our people, we are the beloved of God. We live from blessing, not for blessing. To bless those around us, to bless our city, to bless those who maybe cannot bless us back. And we do it, Jesus, because we love you. We're for you. We lift your name high, higher than any other name. And all God's people said... Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.